Today's show is brought to you by Little Passports. Inspire your kids to learn about the world with a subscription to Little Passports. Quiet listeners can save 40% on their first month today with promo code QUIET. Learn more at littlepassports.com slash quiet. This is Quiet, the Power of Introverts. I'm Susan Kane. I know more introverted artists than extroverted, especially musicians. My name is Scott Mayo. I'm a musician here in Los Angeles. I play woodwinds, so I play saxophones, clarinets, and flutes. Scott is a Grammy Award-winning musician. He's a featured artist on the Sergio Mendez tour, and he's also played with Bruce Springsteen, Mick Jagger, and Earth, Wind & Fire. His day job is arranging music and performing on Dancing with the Stars. I was so obsessed with music, even at a young age, that um, I would just come home and start making noise to myself. And I thought it was quiet to myself, but then my mother would tell me to stop. I didn't realize that I'd be making beat sounds in my mouth and singing. And, you know, and then when I started playing an instrument, I started on clarinet. And then I would just come home and start playing my clarinet. I'd be watching cartoons and playing my clarinet. <laughs> Scott's talent for music was an anomaly in his family. Because I come from a very athletic family. And so it was, I was the weird one because I was musical. And I felt that there was something wrong with me. So I figured, well, I'll just be a jock like everybody else. So it wasn't immediately clear how musically gifted Scott was. But there often is a strong connection between introversion and giftedness. About 75% of gifted and talented individuals are introverted or even perhaps ambiverted, sort of in the middle. That's very different from the general population. And so we started looking at that. That's Dr. Lisa Kainzig. She co-authored the study, Introversion, the Often Forgotten Factor Impacting the Gifted, and she's a frequent lecturer on gifted and introverted learners. On this episode of Quiet, we're going to explore the connection between introversion and giftedness and show you how to spot the quietly gifted kids in your life. We'll also hear how Scott Mayo's experience growing up as a gifted introvert helped him support and challenge his own gifted child to unlock his exceptional talent. That's all ahead. But first, what do we mean when we say someone is gifted? Lisa Kainzig explains. The key characteristics of gifted and talented individuals are that they have deep interests, often very narrow focused, the ability to focus for long periods of time, deep curiosity, extraordinary intellectual engagement, um, and a real interest in following that all the way through as far as they can. And then often there are most creative thinkers. So they're people who are also coming up with new ideas. Sound familiar? These are also the key traits of introverts, which is why there seems to be so much overlap in the gifted and talented population. But does that mean that introverts are smarter than extroverts? No. Measuring intelligence is notoriously difficult. And part of the problem is an over-reliance on IQ tests, which measures only one kind of intelligence and can miss exceptional kids whose overall IQ score is less than the magical 130-point cutoff. And of course, I don't view IQ as all there is to intelligence. I mean, I'd be the last person in the world to say that. That's cognitive psychologist Dr. Scott Barry Kaufman, most recently the author of Wired to Create. There is research suggesting like at that really high level of intelligence, there's something there in terms of like a a prominent like level of sensitivity, a prominent level of, um, yeah, introversion. This seems to be a very common characteristic of these just hugely um, imaginative and intelligent young children. I'm Margo and I'm nine years old. 
Uh, well, I like to play with my toys and I like to read. Last year I read the Laura Ingalls Wilder books. They're good. And right now I'm reading all the American Girl books that I own. She was asking me very profound and existential questions when she was literally two years old. That's Lara, Margot's mom. I remember saying to my husband when she was, I think, two, and she asked me where the first people came from, that she was incredibly, incredibly smart. Even though Margot tested extremely high on her cognitive exams, like off the charts, her teachers were slow to recognize her gifts. Every year there would be a learning curve with her teachers because she's retiring. She's not the kid who's throwing herself out in the front of the class. She's sort of just moving through at her own pace and direction and not needing any kind of special attention or anything. So they really, it took them, it took a couple of them till the end of the year to really understand how gifted she is. And I, that, that kind of bothered me. And, says Lisa Kainzig, unfortunately, that is all too common with quietly gifted kids. Many introverted um, students will appear to teachers, often teachers who are extroverted, um, as perhaps disinterested or checked out or not paying attention, when in fact it's just that their inside of their mind is so active and engaged that there is not that same external appearance that you would see in an extroverted child who is much more animated in their facial expressions, often using their hands to talk, um, you know, really engaged in terms of their body language. It's, It's a very different look in a classroom. For years, educators measured giftedness very narrowly, and many brilliant young children fell through the cracks. I think a large cross-section of kids who are missing in gift and talented programs are those whose intellectual and creative gifts are not as visible in a classroom. That's Scott Barry Kaufman again. He knows because it happened to him. I had a learning disability growing up, and I had this rich fantasy world, and I would go home and I would write stories in my room alone. I would act out like soap opera plot lines in my head, and I would would be like, to be continued tomorrow, and then just like a soap opera. Even some of my dreams were like, to be continued, and I was like, that's weird. But um, I just had this rich uh, inner stream of consciousness that um, no one took the trouble uh, to see. Um, because all they were looking at were more of these superficial kind of like, you know, um, visible indicators in a classroom situation. Like, are you paying attention? Are you exerting self-control? You know, like self-control is a really big buzzword in education right now. In fact, many gifted kids are constantly in motion, talking, exploring, asking lots of questions. This behavior is often misread as ADHD or some other learning disability. Luckily, says Dr. Lisa Kainzig, that narrow view of giftedness is changing. One of the best things I think that's happened in gifted and talented identification in this last 20 years has been we've moved away from just IQ tests or various uh, you know tests of, of cognitive intellectual ability to more parent-teacher checklists, looking at children and watching focus, attention, time on task, um, the interest in being able to get into a topic and go for long periods of time. And I think that's really helped in terms of broadening our identification of gifted and talented students from a variety of socio economic, racial, ethnic backgrounds. Um, and I think that's been all to the good. And, and just what I've been personally trying to do is just show the value of the person's inner daydreams, the person's inner fantasies, um, you know, strivings. Um, at the end of the day, in terms of the giftedness research, that would be what I really want more of is giving all kids more of a chance to display their brilliance. This is Emma. This is Ella. And this is Trixie. Trixie is a 
girl who likes to run around and play, even if she's not supposed to, and she likes to break rules and stand up for what she thinks is right. So she, she, I have, I have, I have um, other ones of these, and so um, my friend, I was this one, and my friend was another one, and um, we pretended that they um, were at the playground, and then they were sucked into a portal, and they had to find their way back somehow. One of the best indicators of whether or not your child is gifted is you. And while every child is different, there are some qualities that tend to come up more frequently. So ask yourself, does my child think learning is fun? Does she enjoy complexity? Can he focus on a problem for a very long time with little direction? Does she have an excellent memory, a high degree of empathy, and a deep appreciation of natural beauty and art? These are just a few of the more common signs. You can read about other clues to look out for on our website at quietrev.com. If you suspect that your quiet child is gifted, it's probably a good idea to get her tested at school. The best time to do that is before she turns nine. According to the Gifted Development Center, it's around that age that kids start to develop what are called masking behaviors, like hiding their abilities so they don't stand out among their peers. If your child is gifted, and this is so important, Make sure she's in an environment that's intellectually stimulating. Here's Margot's mom, Lara, again. I was at their school a lot, and every time I'd go by the classroom, I'd see her sort of staring into space and not engaged, which isn't to say that she wasn't, didn't like school and she wasn't happy to go there, but she was bored and she felt under-challenged. Musician Scott Mayo remembers feeling the same way when he was younger. I was pretty bright academically and... Um, and things were not real challenging to me a lot because I think a lot of gifted kids are just there are four or five and six things going on in their mind at the same time. And the challenge for teachers is that they're just talking about one thing and they don't recognize that these gifted kids are bored because they got five other things going on in their mind. And you need to give them something really challenging to engage them or you're just going to lose them. And that's what happens. And so that's what happened to me a lot, too. You just started to lose me after a certain amount of years because I was bored. This isn't always a teacher's fault. A quietly gifted child may choose not to raise her hand to answer a question in class because they don't want to draw attention to themselves. This can make their gifts really hard for a teacher to detect. As a parent, you need to advocate for your quiet child to make sure that they're getting the kind of input and feedback and stimulation that they need in the classroom environment. Lara recently moved Margot into a new school with a gifted program. And it's different. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a unique situation because she was with this same group of children for so long, which is actually ideal for a kid like her. And it was a really hard decision to think about moving her. It's true. Quietly gifted kids are often really sensitive, and it often takes them longer to form tight bonds with their peers. Choosing between deep emotional connections and intellectual stimulation can be excruciating. You may decide to keep your child in a general education classroom and challenge him with extracurricular activities on the side that are geared towards his interests. There's no right or wrong answer here, as long as you're making room for the appropriate challenges. While it's still too early to say how Margot's new school will work out, Lara thinks the trade-off will be worth it. For now, she's scheduling plenty of playdates with Margot's closest friends to help smooth the transition. Whether your gifted introvert is in an accelerated program or not, there's still a lot you can do to help her reach her full potential. A big part of this is understanding and working with what we already know about how introverts learn. Um, you know, parents 
should recognize the the importance for these children of the flow experience. And the flow experience is this um, concept that we study in positive psychology, which is this state of complete absorption in what you're doing, complete um, like rapt attention, I guess you could say. And it feels effortless. It feels like time recedes in the background and, and you're kind of just one with the activity. And, and a key thing for increasing the flow state is, 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 is well matching the activity to the student's level of ability. Flow, losing yourself in an activity, gives these gifted learners the chance to dig into their unique abilities. When we return, we're going to hear how musician Scott Mayo used what he knew about flow to help guide his son Michael's musical development. And we'll share tips on how to balance your gifted introvert's craving for intellectual stimulation with their quiet nature. But first, this message from our sponsor. Inspire your kids to learn about the world with Little Passports. This award-winning educational subscription sends you monthly packages in the mail, each featuring a new country or world theme. Packages are addressed to your child and are filled with letters, souvenirs, stickers, activities, and more. It's a super fun way for kids to learn about geography and cultures around the globe. Quiet listeners can save 40% on their first month today with code QUIET. Learn more and take a peek inside the monthly packages at littlepassports.com slash quiet. This is Quiet, the Power of Introverts. I'm Susan Kane, and today we're talking about how to help your gifted introvert thrive. What's in your My name is Michael Mayo, and I am a singer. I sing jazz, and I currently am a student at the Thelonious Monk Institute of Jazz in Los Angeles. I, I knew that I wanted to be in music probably from the age of two or three. Um, I've, it's always been really clear to me that music was the thing that I wanted to do. Well, it's funny. Actually, I, I, what I need to do is go back. That's Michael's dad again, Scott Mayo. I'll tell you what I did. I created a CD <laughs> of all the music that I liked. So it was John Coltrane, Duke Ellington, Stravinsky, Bach, Brahms, James Brown, Earthman and Fire, like everybody. And I put it on a CD and I used to play it on her stomach. <laughs> I'd put headphones on her stomach and I would play it. And I was just determined that he was going to be a musician. So I figured if I would put music in him from the time he was conceived, that he would come up being musical. And he did. <laughs> it just goes to show that you never know where love's gonna grow. His mother's also a professional singer. She's not just good, she's amazing. This is what he was listening to for nine months. He was listening to her voice sing, and he was listening to me play, so he kind of had no choice. Her water broke in the studio. He was almost literally born in the studio. <laughs> if you ask my parents, they'll tell you I've been singing since I was a couple months old. <laughs> Early on, like three months, uh, she sang a note to him, and he sang it back. And we could not believe that a three-month-old child could do that. So she sang a different note to him, and he sang it back. And 
and it started from there, that he was able to make this connection between his ear and his voice that most people don't do for years. As he got a little older, his temperament also became clearer. We'd be watching, you know, a, the Aladdin movie, and he knew every song before it came on, and he would sing it in the right key, while also playing with the toy and seemingly being quiet and not paying attention. So his mind, I could always see that his mind was very active, but he would, he would keep to himself a lot of times. Um, he'd be singing softly. <laughs> but, you know, I remember one time when he started playing basketball, he'd be out there in the middle of the court just singing to himself. Instead of playing basketball, he was standing there singing. It was hilarious. Scott knows how important alone time is for him as an introverted musician, and he's made sure that Michael has space for his own contemplation and experimentation. And he's definitely been one who spends more alone time just thinking and considering and working things out more so than social time. I don't think he draws his energy from being around people. He's very comfortable being around people. But I think that he is a person who really sort of connects with himself and spends time with himself um, in order to figure out what his next move is. That, says Lisa Kainzig, can be critical to a gifted young introvert's success. Uh, introverted people, children, certainly this is true, um, need a lot of time to recharge on their own. They prefer to work by themselves or in very small groups of people that they already know well. Um, but it's very important that the teacher or the parent creates an environment that feels safe for that student because one of the hallmark characteristics of introverts is that they don't like to take big risks in front of other people. They're taking them in their own minds all of the time. We never had to force him to practice. We never had to force him to do any of that stuff. He was always bringing stuff to us. And so it was really great to see that he had that drive. And, and because there's so many gifted people, but they don't have the drive or the discipline, and he has both. So, yeah, I knew early on that it was something that he wanted to do because he was the one that was bringing it to us. We weren't forcing it on him. Every parent hopes their child will find something that drives them. But Scott had the advantage of having been a gifted, introverted child himself. That helped him understand his son's temperament and what he needed to grow. He knew that Michael needed to be challenged academically, so he switched him to a gifted program. But it still took Michael time to find his place. My first grade year and my second grade year, I wasn't in the magnet. And then my third grade year, they put me into it. And so I was in the class with kids who had been in the magnet since first grade. And so they were sort of already used to it. And when, by the time I got there, I was like, oh man, this is, <laughs> this is real life. This is what people are doing. And they're, they're all working really hard and they all are very, very smart. Um, and it was a little bit intimidating at first. That changed when Michael attended the LA County High School for the Arts. It was really there that he began to take off, really artistically take off, where it was no longer, he wasn't our child, he was his own artist. An artist whose talent continues to mature. In 2013, Michael was invited to participate at the American Voices Festival at the Kennedy Center. Like he was among a very select group of young singers that was chosen to sing uh, for Diane Reeves and um, for all of these really famous singers of different genres. The artist that they chose to be represented for the jazz uh, category was Diane Reeves, who is an amazing, amazing jazz singer. And um, I sang the song, It Could Happen to You, and... I improvised a scat solo, and as I was doing that, Diane went to her pianist and sort of started telling him to change a couple of the chords, 
um, just to see if I was really hearing. And so he changed a couple of the chords and I really tried to get into the harmony. And then she came over and grabbed the microphone and started singing with me. And that was such, you know, that was such an honor to be able to sing with her um, because, you know, I've admired her for such a long time. Jazz on stage is alive, as you know, but it's also a very intimate exchange between everybody that's on stage. And so you have to listen so that you can respond and keep the conversation going. And you do that so impeccably well. (laughs) Thank you so much. Of course, not every gifted child will end up wowing a jazz legend, but nurturing our children's gifts allows them the chance to succeed in their own way. And now it's that time on the show when I give you concrete tips on how to help your quietly gifted child thrive. But first, if you're the parent of a quiet child ages three to nine, I am so excited to tell you about a new online course we've created that I really think can change the way you parent your child. The course is beautiful and it includes all kinds of interactive features, like for example, a tool to help you decide when and when not to press your child out of her comfort zone and scripts for how to advocate for your child with people who say he's too shy. You'll also have the chance to interact with other parents of quiet kids. To check out the course, just visit learn.quietrev.com. Okay, and now for our tips. Number one, many kids today face extremely long school days, followed by hours of homework and after-school activities. Even if they love school, that is still a lot of time of being on especially for a child who naturally wants some quiet time to recharge. So give your child the time she needs after school and before all those activities start. And she does not need to do an activity every day. Make sure she has plenty of time to just hang out at home, daydreaming, dreaming up her own projects, or just being still. Number two, help your child find role models in his chosen field of interest. This is especially important if his gifts are in a domain that's not particularly popular with his classmates. He needs to meet other kids who share his interests and heroes and heroines to look up to. And number three, instill in your child a broad vision of what leadership means. Many gifted introverts achieve leadership in cerebral, intellectual, or artistic fields, and this often happens later in life. But while they're still in school, they're going to face a lot of pressure to achieve leadership in more conventional domains. Now, if that path genuinely interests them, that's great. And you, of course, want to do everything you can to encourage them. But if they are marching to a different drummer, they need to hear from you that you celebrate the path that they're taking. That's it for our show today. Quiet, the Power of Introverts was produced by Carrie Hillman in partnership with Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer of Panoply. This episode was edited by Christy Miners and mixed by Jason Gambrell. Our music was composed by Alexis Quadrado. Special thanks to everyone at Quiet Revolution. If you've enjoyed listening to Quiet, the Power of Introverts, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us in iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to leave us a rating or comment wherever you subscribe. I know it seems like a small thing, but it's one of the best ways to help other people find our show. 
And be sure to listen to the next episode of Quiet when we sit down with actor, musician, and introvert Molly Ringwald. She'll reveal how her temperament has helped her to become a better actor and parent. I'm Susan Kane. Thanks for listening. Love.